America. My name is I'm Yosef Frimpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time to talk to you about, you know, the quality of wisdom that will help you not squander your one life. And today it's going to be about the meaning of life and COVID and what the two have to do to each other because here's the deal. If you don't actually... It's usually considered presumptuous to talk about the meaning of life. Who are you to tell me about the meaning of life, they say? Well, if you don't talk about the meaning of life, then what happens in these times of woe and want, when life itself is at stake, then the concern for life goes unregulated and screws up everything else, right? And then you start hearing things like, well, you know, if one citizen dies, if one person dies because of COVID, we've screwed up, um, we've done it wrong, so we have to shut down all of the institutions that could put anyone at increased risk. And you can't fight that because you haven't actually worked out what the meaning of life is relative to everything else and the meaning of everything else, right? So what is... And look, and if you don't understand the quality and meaning of things, you end up leaning on quantity, right? So you start talking about like, well, 10,000 cases, that'll be the number, one death, and it becomes an, uh, uh, an issue of moral calculus. Because if you don't know how to talk about meaning, you start talking about quantity. This is why people who don't know what things mean always talk about their price. So be very suspicious of people who always talk about how much things cost, whether it's got a good deal because it's cheap or it's too expensive because they don't know how to actually evaluate its meaning. They could only evaluate how much money it costs. So people who don't know how to talk about quality talk about quantity. And in terms of something like life, they'll tell you that, uh, you know, the best life is the longest one. Because obviously, if everything's about quantity, then the person who lived 100 did life better than the person who lived uh, to 39 or 40. Now, mind you, um, Jesus and Martin Luther King didn't make it out of their 30s, but obviously, to the person who only cares about quantity, they screwed up life relative to someone like Barbara Walters, who was born the same year as Martin Luther King and is still alive. So obviously, Barbara Walters did life better than Martin Luther King, right? Well, no, that's only if you actually, that's only obvious if you don't, if you can't think about meaning and you only judge life by quantity, if you only judge things by quantity, right? So, um, oh, overblown mic, you're getting too much mic, you're getting my overblown, too loud, all right, too much, all right, so I hope this, this better, give me something on the, if, 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 my, if the mic's a little bit better and you can hear me with a little bit less, uh, I don't know, problem. I think this should be fine. Anyway, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna keep talking like this, and let me tell you that people talk about quantity because they don't know how to talk about quality. Not yet. It's still bad. It's still bad. What's what's? I can just turn the whole mic down. Better now. Yes. All right. People talk about good. All right. I'm gonna just do this. Then. This is this is how I'm gonna talk. And you'll just have to deal with this. All right, so people talk about quantity because they don't know how to talk about quality. And that's the problem. They talk about quantity because they don't know how to talk about quality. They talk about price because they can't talk about meanings. So if you evaluate your life in terms of how many years you lived 
versus the quality of your relationships in it and the work and the activity that you did, then like you're going to be a problem. So when you talk about COVID deaths and COVID and life with COVID, you have to talk about not only what the meaning of life is without qualification, but also what we're willing to do to screw up other people's lives who are not susceptible to COVID or who have already had COVID or COVID vaccinated or whatever, and what we're willing to shut down. Because if we're willing, in order to balance, in order to make sense of what a proper measured or thoughtful uh, response should be to, to COVID, and without actually thinking about the meaning of life, then the worries about life run unregulated and distort and distort um, all conversations about the issue. All right. So, what is the meaning of life? Uh, so, why is life relevant? Well, it's also it's relevant because it allows you to do other things. Um, it, it allows you to do other things besides living. But also, life itself is pretty peculiar because it is the first instance. It's a little bit of a miracle insofar as it's the first instance of a fight against external determination. All right, so when you have, there are going to be three elements that are relevant here. You have a cellular membrane and this prokaryote cell. You have a cellular membrane and chemical interactions with inside. There's an inside the cellular membrane and outside the cellular membrane. And this cellular membrane is semi-permeable. That means, you know, the basic unit of life is going to be a semi-permeable cellular cell with a membrane that lets nutrients in keeps other things out and then uh, chain uh, chemical reactions inside of the cell that actually enable the cellular membrane to be what it is and it actually is life acting in a way that sustains life in and against external determinations prior to that you have mechanistic causation where one thing just causes another um but there is no purpose to it all right there is no it doesn't cause itself it causes something else Cells, you have something that causes itself. Same with uh, electromagnetic um, uh, reactions. Magnets don't cause themselves to be. Uh, they react blindly. There's no purpose there. Same thing with chemical reactions. Chemical reactions do not cause themselves to sustain themselves. Right? But with life, you have a cell that's figured out a way to kind of massage chemical reactions, massage electromagnetism, and massage mechanical and mechanistic theory in a way that sustains itself. Now, none of this is on purpose. None of this is on purpose, but yet still, it's a unit that acts against external determinations in order to determine itself. It is the cause of itself in perpetuity in the way that other things aren't. It's kind of like the way we massage physics in order to build airplanes in order to break the laws of physics. The cell figured out a way to do that. Um, um, and so that is like a prefiguration of freedom. And you say that, well, why is that a prefiguration of freedom? Well, that same form you'll find in most free institutions. What else has a, mem a semi-permeable membrane with certain interactions inside to sustain what it is? And the membrane is, is itself um, designed by the interactions inside? Well, you know, a nation. We have immigration laws, a semi-permeable membrane. People get, some people get in, some people are left out. And um, we decide, like through the interactions of the nation, we decide the constitution of that semi-permeable membrane. We decide the kind of nation we are. Now, unlike a biological cell, like 
in theory, a free nation can actually be free and decide its own character, whereas a biological cell is going to be determined by the character of its interactions. So it's not really uh, self, it's not really uh, free insofar as it's not externally determined. It's, inter it's internally determined by the laws of biology, by the logic of biology, right? We have that same we have that same um, structure as a nation, then we can actually determine ourselves. We can decide what kind of nation we can be. Uh, we, and, and so like, it's a prefiguration. Life signals a prefiguration of freedom, right? So in itself, forget what it, life enables. Itself is a prefiguration of freedom. And understanding uh, that is a way to understand uh, freedom. Freedom and the institutions that are required, including like, and instead of, you know, enzymes, we have money and taxes because, you know, the, the cellular membrane lets things in and lets certain and, and pushes certain things out. But you know what else it does? It keeps the um, chemicals inside the stew, the chemical stew inside <coughs> in proximity to interact so they're not just dispersed. Right. So that's kind of like I said, it's, it's a national boundary and it's necessary for freedom. It's a quality of self-determination because now the cell gets to decide what kind of thing it is rather than being necessarily externally determined. I mean, it's not a very strong and robust and resilient, but it is something. You can talk about healthy membranes and uh, non-healthy membranes because they have purposes, right? So life, a prefiguration of freedom. But... Um, you know, the higher the life, the, the, the other kinds of freedom you get, right? And since the biological cell is not self-determining, it's biologically determined, we have a long way to go. Um, you know, another thing that's interesting about, say, animal life is interesting. We can be impinged upon by, you know, light bouncing off an object over there, and we get a perception of the object, but we don't have to pay attention to it. We can pay attention to something else. That's neat. That's also peculiar to life. Other things, once they get impinged upon, have to react to it. We have selective reactivity, both at the cellular membrane level and in perception. Selective reactivity. That's cool. And through our selective reactivity, we get to decide what we are. Right? So life is awesome. Um, but just the bare bone, the minimal conditions of life and, and selective reactivity are not yet self-determination. Right? So, um, but... This selective reactivity enables institutions of self-determination. When two, and when two um, entities with selective reactivity interact with each other, then they can become something that's completely can become free. Right? <laughs> right? They're not. Neither of them are determined by external relations. They can actually decide, and you know, if they can communicate and intelligible, blah blah blah. They can actually decide what they want to do with their life, which is why I can have a, a kind of relationship with a person that I can't really have with a tiger because the tiger is, cannot select how it's going to react to like a steak <laughs> if it gets hungry, whereas a person can. So selective reactivity is going to be, is going to be a pre prefiguration and constitutive element of freedom. So life itself is, an, is kind of a prefiguration or an institution barely of freedom. And as an institution of freedom, it needs to be legitimized next to other institutions of more robust freedom. So it's not that we can just ignore life. We just can't. We need to think of life as a 
<laughs> so it's, we just need to think of life as a figuration of freedom and put it next to all of our other figurations of freedom, but not unregulated, like going over. So I'm, I'm laughing at a comment. <laughs> Someone said, I remember the first time I played and I was like, we're not supposed to be up here. That's not right. <laughs> I think that's amusing. Don't worry. You know, I suspect, um, you know, there's very little that's right about uh, modern life, but there's a lot that's awesome. Surgeries aren't natural, flying's not natural, the internet, you know, a lot of smelting had to go along to, to get the internet. So <laughs> there are a lot of things that we aren't supposed to do that we do that are actually rather good. Colonoscopies, <laughs> very little that's natural about that. That's an exit hole. And then, and then you're putting up something that's an entrance, the, the, the entering. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's not natural, but, um, but yet it's good because it'll keep you from getting uh, colon cancer. Um, so, so life itself is a prefiguration of freedom. And insofar as it is a prefiguration of freedom, as freedom, it is good, right? But that means it's, a, it's good in itself, but it's also a, a prefiguration that enables more robust kinds of freedom. And we can't shut down those more robust kinds of freedom for the sake of life. So we have to understand what we do when we shut down those more robust kinds of freedom is we shut down the conditions of that. If the meaning of life is freedom and we shut down freedom for the sake of life, that means we're undercutting the meaning of life. We're using the meaning of life to undercut the meaning of life. Right? And that's going to be a problem. And that's going to be a problem. We're using the meaning of life, which is life as a prefiguration of freedom, in order to shut down the meaning of life. Because nobody wants to go to a funeral where the only people, the only th when they talk about the meaning of a person's life and what they say is, well, that person lived, that, continu that person's heart kept breathing, they, um, they lived and kept living. <laughs> um, and that is, I've been to a few bad funerals, and I'll tell you, that is the most depressing thing when you feel like someone wasted their whole life by living, by merely living. Um, they got, they, they, they were, uh, you know, C minus liver. And, and that is not something that we want if we want our life to have meaning. And if we want to enable other people to have, to have meaningful lives. Right? And the idea that we would shut down the conditions for other people's meaningful life so that we preserve just the bare minimal of life is is a little bit i don't know and we need to admit we're all gonna die anyway we're all gonna we're all gonna die anyway and that's uh well have i read james cone work oh i've read the james cone who wrote the, i read i read the cross and the lynching tree and and that's that's pretty good and that's actually very good i especially like chapter two on niebuhr of, of james cone work i don't know who, if it's james h cone but it's a james cone that i read I'm responding to a, a chat. So um, we need to make sure that we don't undercut the meaning of life by letting concern for life go unregulated and destroy, actually, the conditions for meaning, for meaning of life. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. My kid, I have kids in school. I'm not a huge fan of them wearing masks. It was okay when we didn't know what COVID meant for kids. And, you know, there's always going to be a scare of long COVID and there's always going to be a scare. But like, you can't do that. You can't, 
you can't do that, not just to kids, but to people. Um, degrade the conditions for them mean, living a meaningful life um, in order to like impose your fear upon them. Right? So, you know, think about that. Think about, uh, think about the things we do. And, and you know, honestly, since it's my podcast, I can just tell you the truth. A lot of these people pushing for the rid ridiculous mandates are white women who don't have real meaning in their lives. Or have all of their meaning in their lives tied up in their home where they can go around unmasked and don't really like going around to stores or whatever. Where people, and they just want to control what people like, the, how people look at them. <laughs> so um, it's a form of controlling how people look at them. And so there are these, these white women who don't really have, who don't actually have a very meaningful life um, in themselves, don't have real responsibilities trying to cut off the conditions for other people who actually do have real responsibilities and real meaning in their lives. Um, and that's, that's, that I think is a problem. So if you live your life on Zoom, do your job on Zoom, and then are pushing for like huge mask and shutdowns for everyone not on a Zoom, you're a piece of trash. <laughs> because like there are people who do meaningful work that actually have to interact with people and you're shutting down the conditions for them doing meaningful work. So think about that. Um, it was okay when we didn't know what COVID was. We didn't know how it affected kids. We didn't have vaccines. But now, you know, ginning up this COVID fear is a selective trillion dollar industry. And I, I'm... I want people to be able to be free to live their lives meaningfully, not just the bare meaning, the minimal meaning of life. Um, so, thank you for your time. Uh, I will. Hey, look, if you like what I'm doing, go ahead and kick in um, five, fifteen, or fifty dollars to thefuckyacademic.com because you know what? Telling you that like professional class white women are the whole problem with the way we talk about mask men mandates because they don't have real responsibilities is not going to get me a job. So I'm going to need you to support me telling you the truth about you. Um, so, you know, by the way, I think there's going to be like a... a uh, critical health studies in about 10 years that's going to come uh that's going to come that's going to come up and uh say that we've it turns out that the cdc mandates aren't based on science but are based on like extra scientific political concerns and people are going to be like shocked what do you mean the cdc mandates are based on extra scientific political concerns and that's going to be like the field of <laughs> like health realism where we where we learn that what we consider the science was actually partly science and partly turned on the political winds of people who control the mechanism of production. So I'm telling you the future now of critical health studies when they realize that a lot of what we've been told is propaganda. And um, anyway, we have vaccines. We know that uh, kids, and we know that Omicron is ubiquitous. And so, first of all, these cloth masks, the cloth masks are pretty much this close to fashion. Because we found out that Omicron, like, the, the Omicron isn't stopped by the cloth masks. 
So if you're just thinking that like cloth masks, no matter what, are the most important thing, you're not really actually serious because um, uh, Omicron doesn't. Omicron does not give a crap about your cloth masks. It's only slowed down slightly by N95s. But we're not mandating N95. We're mandating any sort of mask, which means it's a fashion show. It's a way to virtue signal to other people. Um, it's like a, the sneeches with the stars on their thighs. It's a virtue signal to other people and control how people look at you because that's what's really going on for a lot of these folks. They just want to control how people look at them. And it's a power play, which is fine, but let's stop pretending it's about this other thing. You want people to look at you the way you want them to look at you when you want them to look at you. So if you go to a fancy private function and you want to be seen, you don't want masks. You want only the servers having masks. But if you want to go to the store and you don't want people to look at you, um, then you want masks. Uh, but that's more about you trying to control the way other people look at you rather than like a serious health deal. So thank you. Um, thank you for your time. If you like what I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com because just know that the people who don't like what I'm doing, they are going to try to, you know, make sure I can't eat. So if you want me to be, continue to be your weekly freest Negro, uh, you know, kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month. I think help me pay some bills. And I will see you next week in which I will talk to you about something completely different. Peace.